This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Oh, hi. Hello, friend. Friend of friends. I am Zena. I will be your host this week. Yeah, we'll have the best ratings we've ever had. Andrew, tell me about how those young Tigers are doing. Yeah, um, we'll start with Casey Mize, who pitched today on Sunday. Uh, who had, His last two starts, he's had the same issue. There's just a lack of command, which has not been an issue for him in high school, college, or the minor league levels. Uh, so I don't think it's something that's here to stay. I think it's a little bit of being too amped up, putting too much pressure on himself. Um, you know, you, he he's been falling behind early in counts, and you just can't do that against big league hitters. I know I'm stating the obvious here, but you can't fall behind 2-0 to three straight guys and expect to get out of an inning unscathed because they're going to make adjustments to you, and they're going to either draw a walk or get a nice little single the opposite way, where in the minor leagues, you know what a guy has, right? You know what that hitter is going to be able to do. He's going to be a big-time pole hitter. Uh or a big time opposite field hitter for the most part, he's going to have his really standout weaknesses. Obviously there's the select few, the Wander Franco's of the world last year, the Luis Roberts or the Eloy Jimenez is over the last couple of years who are just kind of like the special next level ready for the MLB hitter. But 95% of who you're facing on the mound is going to be, you know, a pretty average or below average hitter for a guy like Casey Mize to face. Um, so let so me ask did. you this. When you say he's having command problems, do you mean that he's having like command levels that like his command isn't at a big league level or his command is worse than usual, even compared to what he normally has been showing in the minors? Yeah, his command typically is spot on. Like that's one of his biggest gifts. Um, right now, he's having command issues that I don't think are here to stay. Um, he's again, because he's never had this before. So once you get to the big leagues, you're going to have a couple starts where you're trying to find your way and you're over anxious and you're putting too much pressure on yourself. And that's exactly what he's doing. And it's fine. Um, so the last two starts haven't been as good today. You only won, I believe three innings, a lot of two earned runs. Tiger still got the win. The bullpen was there. The bullpen was really good. Um, but Scooble the other day had maybe his worst stuff that he's had since he got here and still went five innings, only allowed two runs and got the win. And he was really impressive. The stuff wasn't as nasty as we've seen but he was making major league pitches to major league hitters that are able to get these guys out, whether it's weak contact or striking out. Uh, the strikeout pitch wasn't there his last start as, as much as we're normally used to seeing it, but he was getting guys out. And that is the ultimate sign of a guy who can be a really good major league pitchers. When you don't have your best stuff, how do you play? And he didn't have his best stuff and he had probably his best start of the season so far. So that was really exciting to see because Scooble, as high of a highly touted of a prospect he is, the number 51 prospect in all of baseball, you know, there's still some questions with a guy who's the number 151, number 51 prospect in all of baseball, um, who's had some command issues, who has had some arm health issues, who was a ninth round pick, who's really only done it, who really only dominated the minor leagues for one year. Um, but I'm I'm getting excited about Scooble. That that last yeah. start really pumped me up because that that's the sign of a pro. That's what I saw there with his last start, a real pro. So what are the what are the comps for Scooble and Mize? Scooble, I know this is like a crazy comp, but he's like to me he looks like Max Scherzer light from the left handed though, like the guy Ooh. who's got the strikeout pitch who can throw high 90s when he gets amped up. You can see how competitive he is when he walks off the mound. I mean, if that guy allows a single, he walks off the mound like he's ready to punch somebody. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think, Like a lot of people think if you get that much in your head, it's going to cause trouble. But for the specific type of player and competitor that it seems like Scooble is, it only makes him better. I mean, he goes straight to that dugout, and you can see he's talking to Rick Anderson, the pitching coach. He's figuring out how to improve on the mistakes he made. Um so I like like I said, and I don't mean to repeat myself, but he's he's the one who's getting me the most pumped. Uh, maybe Isaac Isak, as we've all learned since he got called up, Isak Paredes, the third baseman who just has the most beautiful approach at the plate I've ever seen from a 21 year old. Maybe not ever, but one of the most beautiful approaches I've ever seen from a 21 year old. Understands the strike zone as well as you're going to see at that age. Is not scared to get into a two strike count because he he's. I mean, he's going to fall off pitches. He's going to fight. He's going to make that at-bat go six, seven pitches. 
Uh, he can draw a walk. He's not going to strike out a ton. I mean, he struck out today, and it was one of the worst umpired at-bats I've ever seen. He, The count went 3-2. There was already four balls thrown. The one strike that was actually in that at-bat he swung at, and then a fifth ball was thrown, and the umpire called that a strike, too. So he had a six-pitch at-bat where there was five balls. The umpire just called two of them a strike and rang them up. But you're not going to see that a lot from him because Major League umpires are normally really good. Um, so yeah. being able to command the strike zone like that at 21, uh, the, the nasty, like aggressive, scary looking stance he has where he's got the early big leg kick, but the nice, sweet, short swing that he's not scared to just put a ball the opposite way for a single. Um, just the approach at 21 is something you rarely, rarely see. And he has that he's hitting, let's see, uh, 258 so far, but that's with an 0 for three today before today, I think he was hitting 305 with a 361 on base percentage. So he's drawing walks. He's getting on base at about as high of a clip as you can hope for a guy that young. And the Tigers are winning ball games, five in yeah. a row as of Sunday, two games out of the wild card spot behind the Toronto Blue Jays, who aren't world beaters, could go on a six-game losing streak just like we could at any time. Um, well, I'm, I'm asking they, you now, do the Tigers make the playoffs? No. Close. They're going to be so close, but I just I – just, I need them to get into that last wild card spot at some point in September. If they do that, I will tell you they're making the playoffs. But I'm not going to predict a team with this little of talent, even though the bullpen's been experience. really good. Experience. The, lineup's the word I good. think you mean experience. Yeah, but even I mean even talent too. You're still playing Christian Stewart, you know, four days a week. Who's hitting 161? Why isn't Derek Hill up? I don't know because Christian Stewart can't play defense. Derek Hill can't hit, but he sure as hell can probably hit 161. Uh, and then you have guys like Grayson Griner today who steps in, catches Mize for some reason, and he's 0 for 3 for three strikeouts, now hitting 103. And sure, he's not your everyday catcher, but why isn't Jake Rogers up um, catching for the guys he caught throughout the entire minor leagues? That was their catcher. He should be up with this team. So let me ask you this, Andrew. Is the management structure there? Do you feel like the club is heading in the right direction? Still, this is like a like a tough train of thought that I'm having right now that I can't come to a firm decision on. Had this discussion earlier today. This Tigers team is 16 and 16 right now, right? That's way above expectations. That's much better than they were last year. So is Ron Gardenhire the guy still like he was back when he was managing the Twins that can get the best out of his players? Yeah, he definitely is. Um, but when you see every day, he takes like Victor Reyes, who goes four for four, and then takes him out of the lineup the next day. Or Isaac yeah. Paredes is hitting 300 in his first couple games. He's 21 years old. He doesn't need every other day off. Or just something as simple as Nico Goodrum's hitting 200. Willie Castro, since he got called up, is hitting 300. Let's give Willie Castro some of those at-bats. You don't have to make him the full-time starter over Nico yet. It's coming soon, but maybe not yet. But get him some more at-bats. He shouldn't be playing one out of every three, one out of every four games. And when he does play, it should be for Nico Goodrum. It shouldn't be for Isak Paredes. shouldn't be for Jonathan Scope. Um, Jacoby Jones, kind of the same deal, right? Playing center field, was on a hot streak. Now, all of a sudden, he's getting one out of every four days off, and he's just kind of lost his way uh, at home plate. He just isn't hitting the same. Um, so I think there's some real in-game managerial stuff that I don't like. It's almost like Jim Caldwell was, right? Jim Caldwell mm. was great Monday through Saturday. Great mm. Monday through Saturday. But come Sunday, you never knew where the wrong timeout was going to come. You never – there was going to be a mistake. And that's really what it feels like we're getting from Gardenhire, a guy who, even though he's 100 years old, has bought into analytics, and he's got with the modern day of baseball, he's cool with throwing his starter three innings, and then if he doesn't have it, putting the long reliever in and making it a bullpen day like he did with Mize today. Um, but there's still some old school approaches in there of just like getting guys a day off when they're 21. It's just not necessary. Just let them play. Just let them play. Let's figure out what we have with this young talent. I don't need to see the same uh, Christian Stewart and Nico Goodrum and Grayson Griner every day because they're consummate professionals. I don't give a damn about that. Yeah. They're not winning you ball games. Jonathan Scope is winning you ball games right now. Who's a vet and he's playing every day. Miggy has been on a tear over the last week that he's yeah. playing every day. 
So why not when these young kids get hot? Why are we sitting them? Why are we? They have all this confidence. Their ego is inflating. Let it be there. Let their head get huge. If you're seeing a baseball, you're seeing a baseball. That's the biggest trick. When you're locked in, that thing is like a volleyball coming from the pitcher's hand to home play. So I would say it's time to move on uh, because I think we're getting to a point where it's going to be more than just young talent on this team. And you're a year, maybe two away from being able to make a real playoff push in a 162 game season. Now, sure, 162 game season next year, you probably win 75 games. Right. But that's a step. That's a step. That's what you're looking for in a full season with these young guys. You're going to have some really bad stretches, but you're also going to have some really good stretches as long as you allow them to be good. And that's what I need to see from Guardy to know he's the right guy going forward. He needs to allow his young players to be good. Are the Tigers kind of the Phoenix Suns from two years ago? Where it feels like the future is bright. There's some talent there. We're still we're getting some draft picks, but like, oops, we snuck a Josh Jackson in to go with our our Devin Booker. There's maybe like some of the pieces are there, but we're still filling it in. We don't know how long it's going to be. Yeah, uh, for sure, we're we're definitely still filling it in. I mean, right now you have you have two accomplished major league hitters in your lineup, and that's Scope and Cabrera, and then you have. Five guys who could end up being really good MLB everyday players and like Victor Reyes, who's hitting 282 right now, or Jacoby Jones, who got off to a tear and is one of the best defensive center fielders in the league, or Isak Paredes, who's was a top 100 prospect last year. Um, so the pieces are there, right? And there's still a ton of holes. Uh, you're waiting for the young pitchers to come up, which is always going to take a few years. I mean, Casey Mize is 23 years old right now. It's going to be till he's 25, 26 before he's a dominant MLB pitcher. Um, so it's coming. I don't think we're the Phoenix Suns where we're going to take a Josh Jackson, right? The drafting has actually been really good. The trading, on the other hand, not great. Um, but we're in a similar position as far as we have our top guys that we're going to need. We have our Mines, we have our Manning, we have our Scooble, we have our Riley Green, we have our Torkelson, right? Those are the guys that are going to be your your cornerstones for the next decade. Uh, and then hopefully if they combine the records from this year and last year for the draft, we get Kumar Rocker in this coming draft. Another like straight up cornerstone, no doubt about it. Uh, but now what we need to see is a guy like Jonathan Scope not get traded tomorrow at the trade deadline and extended for something like four for 45. I mean, he's 28 years old. He's hitting 300 with eight bombs right now. He's been the biggest reason why this team is as good as they are right now. Uh, somebody like CJ Crone who got injured needs to be extended. Somebody like Austin Romine, who's been amazing at catcher, who's hitting over 400 with runners and scoring position. Wow. We need to extend those guys keep the major league hitters and let the team build around them. And then on top of that, find another Jonathan Scope next year. Find another Austin Romine next year and plug and play those guys. Of course, you're not going to hit 100%. You're going to mess up. You're going to have your your Mike Fears, your George Zimmerman signing, right? You're going to sure. have that. But if you can hit Jonathan Scope or even a little bit worse, 75% of that signing 60% of the time, you're going to build a successful major league team. Does that happen more often in baseball where you sign a guy and you're like, ah, shit, we just blew a bunch of money? Like yeah, compared I mean, to basketball? Yeah. Well, maybe not even because basketball contracts are so ridiculous. Such average players get such big contracts. Um, but it when, when it comes to pitchers, probably, right, you're going to find a Jordan Zimmerman a lot of the time because you never know when a guy's arm is just going to fall off. You don't know when that's coming, but it's coming at some point. I was on fan graphs the other day, and for the minor league prospect ranking pitchers, they literally, the third tab on there just says Tommy John date and tells you when they got Tommy John. Because, <laughs> like, everybody, yeah, at some point, you're going to get Tommy John. Um, That's funny. Now, luckily, the Tigers are in a position where they're not going to be signing a ton of pitchers, if or starting pitchers, if any, yeah. for the next few years. I mean, you have Mize, Manning, Scooble. Matt Boyd, who obviously hasn't looked good this year, but he looks like he's kind of figuring it out. Spencer Turnbull, who, if this was a full season, looks like he could have been on an all-star level pace. Not to mention Daniel Norris, who's been really good out of the bullpen. And maybe Kumar Rocker, uh, Al Leiter's son in the draft this year, which could be really exciting. And hopefully he won't need to go for these big-time starting pitcher free agencies, free agents who are 30 and you have to give them $200 because that's just – not the right way to build this team specifically. You really are going to have to focus on building that lineup over the next couple of years. 
And I think the risk is less with hitters. Hitters will get in slumps even for a full year sometimes, but normally it's age that slows a hitter down. It's not their ability just falling off the face of the earth. Let's, let's zoom out. Let's zoom out a little bit on baseball. Cause this is kind of, I've been trying to keep track of this cause football is about to start. Right. And we're kind of in the middle end of the basketball bubble. Uh, baseball in the time of coronavirus is doing okay. Right. seems like everything's kind of, they're doing all right. You know? Yeah. I think every fan base is just excited, right? Everybody came into this year with a shot and there's only a, handful of teams that have really just been garbage i mean just just nothing i mean the pirates are the worst team in baseball at 10 and 21 the mike trout led angels are 12 but outside of that it's crazy to me that the angels are bad they just can't build a team over there they gave it albert pools 250 million dollars and mike trout um billion dollars and they just can't figure out the rest of the team they can't put a pitching staff together they can't put a decent guys like Anthony Rendon and yeah, Otani has been awesome. Um, he just like they were just year, gifted but. him as a free like I choose you, Angels, and they still can't. Yeah, the, the front office there is just kind of a mess. In all honesty, it's just not great. Uh, and they've had the same GM for some like eight years, seven years, and he, like the Wizards. Mike Trout's never made the playoffs. Mike Trout has never made the playoffs. What is the MLB doing? The MLB needs to like put a cheat code in or something. Figure something out to get that guy in the playoffs. That's supposed to be the face of your league. He, he might be the best player to ever put on a pair of cleats, and the face of the MLB is taken away from him by is being taken is being taken away from him right now by Aaron Judge and Fernando Tatis and all these guys who just aren't as good as him. Um, so it's just the Angels, dude. I don't even. I can't even start with the Angels because. It's a joke, and Mike Trout's going to waste his entire career because I really don't know if they're ever going to figure it out, at least not with the contracts they have there right now. But, yes, baseball is working. People are excited to watch baseball more than any of the last five years for the most part. You have your villain in the Astros. You have your hopeful in, like, half the teams, right? Your underdog is, like, half the teams. You have your world beaters and the Yankees and the Dodgers, and then you have your kind of – not out of nowhere, but your lower – payroll teams like the Rays and the Athletics, who are the second and third best team in baseball, and the Whites, the young, up-and-coming, awesome offense, White, White Sox, Sox yeah. are the fifth best team, who have hit like three walk-off home runs in the last week, and they just are absurd. Um, and then on top of that, it doesn't hurt that baseball definitely double-juiced the baseballs, <laughs> so home runs are flying what? out of the yard. Hang on, I, we, have to go back. we have to go back to that. I can't let you walk away from that. What do you mean they double-juiced the baseballs? So Do you have sort they, sources? I, you want to know what my source is? There's like six guys in the league who would be on pace for 60 home runs in a full season right now. That's my source. Balls okay. are going out to dead center field at Comerica Park and then beating that wall by 30 feet, which nobody hits home runs to dead center field. I saw, saw uh, Cameron Maben almost go deep to four, over a 420-foot wall the other day. It's just there's no – way that that's not what it is they i mean obviously we had the proof that they juiced them before right we could tell by the launch angles and the exit velocities and how far the balls were going i'm sure there's a study for that going on right now but if you're watching this and not convinced that these balls are double juiced you're losing your mind so you think it's more likely that they're double juiced and not just that maybe the mlb this year has probably been a little more lax with testing for steroids because they're so busy testing for coronavirus no, yeah, people are. I mean, there's always going to be your guys who are taking steroids, but sure. not 75 percent of the league anymore. I mean, it's not 1999. <laughs> it's just it's too risky when you get when you get caught. Now it's an 80 game suspension right off rip. I just don't think that's suspension. anything, dude. I don't think an 80 game suspension is freaking anything. That's not. It's a it is when you're a 20 million dollar player and it just cost you 10 million bucks. i guess I, I for whatever reason i don't correlate the same like level of justice with an 80 game like baseball suspension versus an eight game nfl suspension you know i mean look at all the things antonio brown did to get eight weeks suspension you know he had to act like an insane person so yeah i, I the NFL doesn't, really doesn't know point. how to handle all of that yeah that's, I guess that's, you know what you're, you're right i i see that point i, I see that the nfl is not been uh dispen- not 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 been in the habit of dispensing even-handed justice as they say 
or even close to that. But yeah, I mean, obviously there's no facts or proof yet, and the MLB would never admit it. But the way that balls are flying out of the yard this year, this Tigers team, the leader in home runs on their team in a 162 game season, had 15 home runs last year. We already have like five. We have like five guys already with over five home runs. It just that makes me like a little sad. I almost wish I didn't know that. Honestly, almost. I'm I'm cool with it, man. You get the 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 the. The Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire years back, but nobody's taking steroids. That's cool. Cool with me. Uh, do you have anything else baseball-wise? Who do you think is going to win the World Series this year so far? Take it with my Houston Astros. The Dodgers have been amazing. They hit the more – more. oh, here's another point to my fact. They hit more home runs in the month of August than any team ever has. The White Sox hit more home runs in an uh, eight-game than any team ever has. Um, but I'm going to go – I'm still 19 and 14. Verlander's not there. Uh, Jose Altuve has been struggling big time to, what's the word, the chagrin of many uh, anti-Astros fans. Uh, but they're going to they're gonna pick it up. They're still in the playoffs right now pretty healthily. They're still, you know, six games up, five games up on the non-network of falling out of the playoffs. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go with the Astros versus the Dodgers, just have it be chalk. Those are the two best teams in baseball by a pretty healthy margin, especially with how injured the Yankees are right now. Yeah, they just the uh, Yankees can't get out of their own way. Their whole lineup is on the DL right now. It's it's really amazing. Uh, it just seems like Aaron Judge is just the way he's built. It's just not. I, I'm always fascinated when players are injury prone in baseball because to me that means like you're extremely injury prone. I can't think of a like and imagine if like Aaron Judge cares. played basketball. Yeah, like at least hitters. Pitchers, I get it. I get when a pitcher. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, when your arm is like wobbling around, like you just got the wrong spell from Gildroy Lockhart in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Okay, we're going to move on. We're going to move on from baseball. Uh, We're going to get in, like, I think kind of the meat of the show today, which is going to be basketball. And, like, just basketball as a whole, basketball, the playoffs so far. But I'm sure to start, like, the fact that basketball ended sports for like three days uh that's how do you feel about that i guess let's just start there how do you feel about what happened over in basketball in the last couple of days it was an amazing thing to see for multiple reasons um the first reason is an entire league came together and they put social injustice in trying to find a way to fix that or help that over everything that they work for and fight for. I mean, we're in the playoffs. These teams have been fighting for an entire year to get to where they're at right now, right? We're, we're here. And they put creating change above everything they've worked for over the last year immediately without a second thought. Nobody disagreed with doing it. And then it was an amazing thing to see. And then the second reason is our basketball players have. We are now are going to have 30 billionaire owners putting a ton of money into player-led initiatives to make change, right? On top of that, baseball started to shut down. Even hockey started to shut down. Which soccer stopped. Us all a little, little bit. Soccer stopped. And that is, that is like the greatest way to make change is you make billionaire owners from four different sports have to put up or shut up, period. They don't have an option here. Right. You have a billion dollar NBA playoff TV contract on the table. Owners, you can either stand with these players and try to fix these social injustices and help make change or you can lose your money. And that's just speaking billionaire. You wish it was easier than that. Right. You wish you wish these billionaires would just just be there from the start. But it's just not always going to work that way, unfortunately. So you have to make that change. And what the NBA players did is they made anywhere from 50 to 100 billionaires and hundred multi-millionaires put their money where their mouth is. And it was just amazing to see. What were your thoughts on it? Uh, I thought it was an incredible historic moment. Obviously I feel like that goes without saying where it just feels like we're in a storm of history uh, and we're experiencing kind of all at once. Uh, I think it's incredible that 14 guys who play for a basketball team in Milwaukee uh, were able to essentially affect the Dow like affect affect things at such a high level uh, that that like Russian security forces had to be deployed to kind of like provide a counter angle. Uh, and by that, I mean like when this was happening in the moment, there were like more 
Twitter bots like talking about how basketball is an extension of the far left than I've ever seen before. I mean, I've never seen that many in one place before. So clearly there's something going on here that people at a high, high level view as a threat. And uh, to me, that's incredible that guys like George Hill, uh, right? The Bucks themselves of the team have had a lot of specific experiences with kind of social injustice, right? Uh, what's his, uh, there's, um, their center, I can't remember who, who this is, but had his leg broken by the NYPD. Do you remember that? Oh, um, it's not their center. It's, uh, geez. Um, hold on. I got it. I got it right here somewhere. Oh, Fuck. Sterling Brown. Sterling Brown. Yeah. Uh, all of these guys come from backgrounds and they all are saying the same thing and you know, basketball is crazy. It's got guys like Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich that don't exist in other sports. Like, they aren't voices the way that they are. And, you know, Adam Silver got called into the meeting, and the whole meeting is being, like, we we knew kind of live in the moment what was happening in this meeting as well. And I, I can't think of a single place I would have rather been this year than a fly on the wall when every NBA player in the NBA playoffs is sitting around going, what are we going to do about this, Right. There's never been a group of athletes who's understood their leverage better than this group of athletes have right here. Uh, and I think that, like, really, at the end of the day, it's just, like, a classic example of, like, we know that, like, striking works, you know? We know that when you come together as a unit and you say, this is the change that we want, that you can achieve it. I will say this, though. I'm cynical about this being something that we see for longer than a month or two out of the owners, right? Because to me, the owners check in to kind of do the like, what do we have to do? What do we, what do we, what do we have to do to get the games going again? Okay, yeah, that's cool. Just do that, and then they and then they check back out again, right? Or the Orlando Magic are owned by the DeVos family. Like the DeVos family does not give a shit at all about social justice at all, and we know that because. If they did, they literally would do something about it. I mean, we just they just could do that, yeah. you know. Uh, so I'm a little cynical about what this will mean six months from now, but I'm astounded to see it in the moment. Here's um, – I typically would be uh, with you on that, being cynical about what the owners will be doing six months from now. But what we've seen from NBA players is if next season comes and it's December 25th and it's opening night, and these owners aren't doing their this what they promised to do, or if it's fucking April fifteenth and we're two weeks away from the playoffs, and the owners aren't doing what they're gonna do, they'll do this again. They won't hesitate. George Hill came out and said, "If these owners don't follow through, we will strike again. We will boycott again. We will do it again." Um, and if we know anything about the NBA, is the one sport where you have these millionaire athletes who are willing to sacrifice. The millions of dollars. Yeah. yeah. And um, obviously the charge the first night was led by the Bucks, followed by the Lakers and Clippers, both voting to cancel the season and leaving the meeting. They voted to cancel, got up and left. Um, and then talks that went into the deep AM into four or five in the morning that eventually they decided on the fact that they would have a bigger platform if they were playing as long as these owners would dedicate their money, their wallets to making this change. Um, because you're not going to be able to ask 30 billionaires to to dedicate necessarily their time and their passion and their understanding, but you can force them to dedicate their wallets. And that's what they did for the entire sports universe. And it was just, it was, it was a beautiful thing to see. It was a beautiful, <coughs> excuse me. Oh. That is like what America is about to me. Yeah. Like if, if there's a way to describe what America should stand for, I'm not trying to get too deep into God and country, but like if there's a way to describe what America should stand for, that night was it. The uh, the right to do something like that, to take a look around you and put something like that above you. Uh, I agree, Rock Flag and Eagle, you know. Um <laughs> uh do you want to talk about do you want to talk about anything else on this topic? I feel like we really should spend as much time here as possible. Do you have anything else that you thought was interesting or that maybe you'd like to see next from, from this moment that we've had here? Um, interesting things that two that I did not expect to see, but I'm beyond happy I did, is the two most predominantly white out of the four major sports 
stood up in solidarity with the NBA. Obviously, the MLB came first. The MLB was like full gear. We're with you. Players speaking out. Coaches speaking out. Um, obviously, it wasn't perfect. We found out from the Mets GM that uh, Commissioner Manfred wanted to have them go off the field and then take the field an hour later because of scheduling conflicts, which that sentence right there should be the ultimate sign that the commissioner of baseball, as the Mets GM said, doesn't understand how to be a leader. It doesn't understand how serious of an issue and how big this fight is for people in this country. Um, but I was happy to see the players and the coaches for the most part stand with the cause, uh, put their foot down as well. And then even though the NHL almost felt like they got guilted into it, uh, they were still there and they were still attempting to do the same thing. Uh, they had big, you know, group meetings and conferences and press conferences of players explaining how they felt, why this is important to them and how they think they can make change, which for the NHL is a big step. Yeah. Yep. <coughs> uh, I feel like the NHL kind of maybe is more reflective of, a certain part of society as well. So it's interesting to see to see something like that there happen. Um, soccer, same thing. Actually, what's interesting with soccer was that there was an owner uh, for Real Salt Lake who kind of was like, what is this shit? And now is promptly selling his team. Oh, kind of good. Got I didn't hear out. that. What did, did he speak publicly or... Uh, some things got leaked and there was like some real classic reporting where it's like this guy has used racial epithets in conversations with people. And I think that, and my guess is this, that guy looked around and kind of was like, eh, this probably isn't worth it to own a soccer team in Utah. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you that's know, power right structural there, right? change, baby. Yeah, that's for sure. That's the sign of the power. You, this guy. Well, soccer with racism in soccer is like. Your, your pool is the rest of the world, your talent pool. So you kind of are, are playing to that to that higher standard, so to speak. So, Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's almost been normalized in soccer up until recently, which is, which is pretty sad. Um, I just I, – Especially in England. Like, I just this – is, this has really been like wearing on me, kind of all of these things. And I think everybody – I think everybody in this country is – just feeling real worn down by all this shit one side or another right everybody's just tired of this and i'm i, I guess what i'm cynical about is that a year from now i, I want to see where this is i want to see what we're talking about like for real you know because it's one thing it's one thing to like skip a playoff game and make a statement and then come back but like <laughs> the cops aren't going to stop killing black people they're just not like we have to accept that at this point almost like it, this is a 50-year fight. Like We're wandering into the middle of a fight that started long before we were here and will continue to be waged long after we're gone. And I, I just am, I'm just nervous of false false acts of kind of piety, so to speak. So I, I'm, I'm still just a little cynical. I'm hopeful. I mean, it's not going to be – this isn't going to be something that's different in a year, right? This is, this is a generational change that our generation is attempting to make. We're trying to be the finally the generation that, um, and we've all heard the saying a million times, right? It's not good enough to not to be not racist. You have to be anti-racist. And I think we're kind of the first generation that really is going to understand, accept, and like, I guess, I don't know if it's a poor choice of words, but buy into that, right? It, sure. Take that for what it is. Um, so I do think there will be change and there will be change a year from now. Now, will we be in a perfect society a year from now with no racism? No, we're never going to completely escape racism. Um, but five, ten years from now, can can the change be noticeable? And can police reform happen? And can people stop allowing, especially white, straight males like you or I, can we stop having friends who go out and say the N-word under their breath when, when, when a black guy does something they don't like or a black woman does something they don't like and start not allowing that to happen because the amount of times in my life um, that I've seen just it be allowed to happen and um, nobody will just, nobody will say anything blows my mind. We have to not allow it to happen. We have to speak, we have to speak loudly and we have to let everybody in our lives know that that shit is not tolerated. It's not tolerated period. Yeah. And it's, it, that is, that is for, for, especially for white people, that is the first thing you have to change. 
even if you're not racist, you can't let people do this shit around you, near you, or within earshot, eyesight, whatever. It can't be allowed to happen. You have to speak up on behalf of somebody else who has different circumstances, different skin color, different whatever it may be. You have to be the first line of defense for those people because a racist isn't going to take uh, somebody who looks different or sleeps with a different gender or sleeps with the same gender seriously, a racist, sexist, xenophobe, whatever it may be, those people will not take this stuff seriously if they're hearing it from the group they discriminate against in the first place. And not that as white people, you have to feel this immense white guilt and carry hundreds of years of history on your shoulder, but you can't allow the same shit to happen over and over and over again without speaking up and making certain that everyone near you who is in your life understands where you are, where the world is going, and they will be left behind. I heard somebody on CNN say that if you are racist, you're being left behind now. We aren't waiting for you anymore. You are now part of the past and you won't be accepted into society the same way, period. Let's move on from two white guys who live in Troy talking about race. Yes. Yes. Uh, do you want to talk about basketball playoffs? Do you want to talk about how I the Heat the Pacers? I want to talk about that in a minute. What I want to talk <laughs> about right now is that the Denver Nuggets, just as we were recording the show, forced a game seven versus the Jazz. Uh, this series has been fucking amazing, man. Jamal awesome. Murray dropped 50 again. And Donovan Mitchell dropped 44 again. Those two are just, just throwing haymakers at each yeah. other. It's, it's like Jokic awesome. isn't even there. <laughs> I, I I think that we've really seen a lot of weaknesses, some of the the big the big red flags for Jokic as far as like moving from like an all star player to like an elite A one guy, uh, and they've really been exposed. I think in this series, Donovan Mitchell is, I mean, Donovan Mitchell is going to be probably in this next class of players a top ten player in the league. I think for many many moons. Uh, I also feel like Jamal Murray, finally, with some Jamal Murray consistency, right? Yeah, in a playoff series, too. The guy's got to be averaging 40-plus points in this playoff series. I mean, he's been as good as any player in the world for the last two weeks. I love it. I've enjoyed the series. Lots of offense, uh, lots of, like, fun, weird stuff, lots of... It's probably been my second favorite series behind the Clippers, uh, Clippers Mavs, which is I think just been like an all time first round series. Yeah, like it's it, just a fun series to watch. Like too bad for the Mavericks, you know, too bad. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's the the young guy taking their their first round playoff exit, right? Yeah. Uh, it always it seems to always go this way in basketball. You lose in the first round. Then you lose in the second round. Then you lose in the conference finals. Then you win a finals. You normally don't always lose in the finals. But, like, you're going to lose a few times before you win, especially when you're the seventh seed going up against the deepest and perhaps most talented team in the NBA in the Clippers. And for Luka, not on his own, obviously, but with no other star or even close to that to speak of playing with him with Kristaps out for the series for the most part, um, and him to just be putting up 35 and 15 and 43 and 17 and 13 and 36 and just dominating these games and not dominating yeah. through pure athleticism, but just finesse and, and swagger and being smooth as hell and hitting jump shots and getting and ones and taking it to the rim. I remember hearing all the time in the pre-draft process about how his feet look like they're stuck in the mud. And that might be his biggest like skill is yeah. that he moves so slow. Nobody knows how to keep up with it. Like everybody's ready to just go crazy. And then he does a little pump fake, spin, pump fake, spin back to his original spot. Guess what? The the glass is right there for him wide open. For a 21-year-old to be this mature and to be able to force a six-game series, which, of course, they lost today against maybe the best team in basketball, just he's going to be – one of the, either one or two, the best player over the next 15 years. It's him and yep. Giannis. That's it. That's the whole discussion. I think it's like pretty crazy to think about Luca in the context of like what we knew when he was being drafted, because I think that there were a lot of people, you and I included, who were like this guy. Yeah, like, fucking obviously. this guy. <laughs> like, and there was like I say an equally large group of people who kind of were like, oh, Euroball, oh, I don't know, kind of slow. What position is he? 
And it's just the Lamar Jackson thing all over again, man. When a guy's making plays at, le- at like at the level, and he's just making plays, making plays, making plays, he'll make plays at the highest level still, even if it takes a year or two. He'll figure it out. Yeah. That's also like my big like LaMelo Ball. I think probably the reason why you should be looking seriously at LaMelo Ball at two is that that guy kind of seems to have some of the shades of like playmaking like that. Yeah, he just doesn't have the touch, and I don't think he ever will be. But again, huge! I've become a huge LaMelo Ball fan. Yeah. If you go back and watch each of our draft segments over the last six months, like you will see that him when we started anti LaMelo Ball, and now I've slowly worked my way to. I'd definitely consider taking that guy with the number one pick. I mean, if he's there for the Pistons at seven, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, Rockets Thunder game six is tomorrow. Uh, Rockets close it out? Yeah, I think so. I, I'm not sure if OKC is like quite at their level uh, yeah, when they're healthy. Back. When they're healthy, yeah. That's um, just I, – I love, I love, I love the Rockets this year, and I genuinely think they have a chance to beat the Lakers. And when we get there, who knows, I might, I might predict that. Going to go watch the film and uh, make a decision. But I'm certainly interested in it. Certainly interested in it. Yeah, it's probably – there's going to be two second-round series that I'm going to be completely bought in on, and that is as long as the Rockets win. Uh, the Rockets and the Lakers and the Heat and the Bucks. Um, the Heat that and the Bucks, is, I, think, uh, I think it will still probably be a five-game series. I think the Bucks mm-hmm. are just that good. Um, but I've underestimated the Heat the entire season, mm-hmm. and I'm starting to look like a jackass for it. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, they just swept the Pacers. I thought the Pacers were taking that in seven. Um, it's and I just kind it of be a nice. Save. They have all of the intangible stuff worked out. Uh, I don't think there's another team in the NBA that has all of the intangible stuff. I don't think the Lakers have all of the intangible stuff figured out. Yeah, I mean, I think mostly you're right about that. Um, I don't think the talent is going to be high enough to beat the Bucks and beat Giannis. Even I though there is it. a lot of talent on that team, they could they could do it. I'm not completely writing them off. I'm but really going to historically I mean, good this year. Yeah, but this is this is different, right? This is season part two, and I think that in season part two they haven't been as historically good. Now it's tough because they're on the side of the Angels right now, and you don't want to bet against that. You don't want to bet against like the team, like the story being the Bucks took a night off to protest and then won the title. You know, I don't want to go against that narrative. That's a that's just a bad that's just bad juju. But I'm very interested in the Heat versus the Bucks. Very interested. Fine. Give me your prediction right now. How many games are going? Seven. It's going to go seven. Seven? If it seven. goes seven, the Bucks aren't winning the title. Period. I, I, you know, I that could be. I, I'm not sure if I think the Bucks have looked like a championship team to me. Although, I guess I don't think really the Lakers have at moments either. So, it's not Nobody, Nobody's looked dominant right yeah. now. I mean, the Lakers have been the closest to dominant. Closest, yeah. In the first round. Um I just, I'm not gonna pick the Heat over the Bucks. I'm just not. That's, <laughs> I, I totally get that. It's an um, irrational pick. Uh, I don't think it's totally irrational. Like the Heat do things well. I just think they that, match up well. They just match up well against the yeah. the, the Bucks. I feel Bam Adebayo but, is like the closest thing you can get to somebody who's good to guard Giannis. Yeah, but at the same time, nobody matches up well against. Giannis. I know. You can average it's 34 we'll and 15 in this series. <laughs> um, we'll see. The, the Celtics beat the Raptors today, one twelve to ninety four, and it was honestly worse than that. It was it was worse than the score would show. Um, is this just a one game thing for the Raptors? You think? I don't think so. The Raptors have had a few games where they just stink it up. You know, and actually, another one in the beginning at like the regular the regular part of season part two against the Celtics, where they did the same thing. They just got dunked on. They just couldn't hit anything, and the Celtics were super happy to pick it up. I think the Celtics might be better without Gordon Hayward. I don't know how much like worse they are without him. Seriously, I don't think that's a hot take. I think I mean you've seen enough of it to say they're not that much better with Gordon Hayward at the at the minimum. He's not Gordon Hayward anymore. How would you how would you feel if you were Jason Tatum and you're like 23 years old and you keep making Eastern Conference Finals and originally you run into LeBron and now you run into the Greek fucking freak Giannis who is just going to do insane things all the time for the next 15 years and you're just never going to like be able to find your way around these guys. You just go from uh, lock-in top five, top two really player of all time in LeBron dominating your conference 
to a guy who's well on his way to being a top 15 player to ever play this game. Just back to back. That's what I you think, get. I think that there is room to defeat the Bucks still in the future. I don't think that that's a – that team is not a dynasty yet. I don't think that they're no, close. No, no. Uh, and I think the Celtics, if you swap out Gordon Hayward for, like, let's just say a good center – I think that you really have to look at the Celtics very seriously as like a, a finals contender, not a title contender, but I think that team could make the finals. They're yeah, one I mean, player away, I think, and it's not Gordon Hayward. It's the beauty of the East, right? I yeah. guess that anybody really, uh, the Bucks are world beaters, but they're not the best of the world beaters. They haven't been the world time. beaters yet. In my opinion, they've only been really, really good. I mean, they were going to win 70 games this season, man. Yeah, I mean for sure, I, but to me the I just think the like that team as constructed is like the best regular season team of all time, and I think that's different than like a championship team. Yeah, and them and the Heat, the Bucks and the Heat, kind of the same thing where they don't have that 80 percent effort level in the regular season, yeah. which doesn't necessarily hurt you come the playoffs. But then the other teams catch up a little bit. Obviously, Sometimes, the Heat, yeah. it didn't happen for yet. It didn't happen for the Heat yet. They destroyed the Pacers, just mm -hmm. beat, them, beat them down. Um, but once you get a little bit further in the playoffs and you start playing the really good teams that have been not coasting, but taking a playoff here or there, that's when it hurts you. Uh, and we saw it with the Bucks last year. I mean, they couldn't get by Toronto. Yeah. Uh, I'm very worried about Toronto. Uh, I think I'd probably take – I'd probably like the Celtics here, so – I wanna I wanna take Toronto, but the game today scared. I'm still I'm sticking with Toronto. I'm gonna say Toronto and seven I mean, right now. I just love that team. I just I'm it's I feel like there's some some bias going on here, but I just love the way that team plays when they're playing well. I think they're different. They're just the different. I think we've given them a very fair shake. Uh, at least you and I have have really said like could like don't count the Raptors, don't count the Raptors. But now I'm worried about the consistency. I just don't think it's at a playoff level. Yeah, Coaching that's definitely so fairly yeah. possible. I just, you know, if they go to the finals, it'd be so cool because it'd be a great sports story. Sure. We have Kawhi, and then we win a title because of Kawhi. Oh, wait a minute. It wasn't because of Kawhi. I mean, it was because of Kawhi, but it wasn't because of Kawhi. Um, I think that's get the by... What? Oh, sorry. I think that's the worst back-to-back -back title team of all time. Like, back-to-back. Yeah, -back for sure. Finals. For sure. I mean, they're at least up there. Like, um, did we already do our predictions for Game 7 Jazz Nuggets? Oh, I guess we kind of skipped that, didn't we? I kind of got off on a tangent. That's my bad. What do you think is going to win that series? I'm going to take the Nuggets. I'm going to take the Jazz. I think Donovan Mitchell goes for, like, 58. I think talent wins out. I think that the Nuggets are more talented team. Uh, but I think that the Nuggets need to make some changes to their roster if they want to go to another level. I'm just a firm believer that game sevens come down to your, the best player on each team. Who's going to be the best player for that game on each team, right? And I'm buying in on Donovan Mitchell being the best player in a game seven. I think that's a good point. I mean, we know that with basketball, right? It's just whoever has the most talented guy usually wins when the chips are down. So I, yeah. I think that's good logic. I think that uh, I think I could be Jokic. I, I would love to see like a Definitely big could. Jokic, like angry Jokic, angry game. Yeah. Yeah, so. he needs to put some weight back on. It looks like though, uh, it could be yeah, Jamal Murray. Yeah, how about that? We're all wrong about that. It's, I, I I don't think he should put it all back on. Yeah, uh, but he should spend the season turning that weight he the fat he lost into some muscle. I still sure. want to see him at seventy two eighty. I just want to see it the body the BMI a little bit lower. Yeah. Um, you got anything else for basketball? No, I think we've I think we've talked quite a bit about basketball. Cool. You want to get to quick pitch? Quick pitch. Quick pitch. All right. Well, I'm going to start with the big one, and this is this is for you. Lionel Messi is leaving Barcelona. Been there since like 2003, 2004. Maybe the greatest player to ever step foot on a field in any sport, really. Like it's him, Ronaldo, LeBron, Jordan, Gretzky. Like those are the guys. Yeah, he's um, in that class. And it sounds like right now the number one team that it looks like he's going to go to is Man City, which is a terrifying thought. Um, so first, I'm going to ask you this. I read today that Man City is ready to give him over $700 million over five years from sport. It was reported by sport, which is somewhere. Sport.uk. It's like sport.co.uk. Yeah. Okay. How reliable? 
let me temper all soccer rumors by saying that almost none of them are reliable. There are basically two good sources. You can trust when ESPN posts something as like a rumor because they're usually the third or fourth person to get there. So if you're not worried about like getting like the Woj tweet sent to your phone, ESPN's a good source. And then there's a, a Fabrizio Romano who's a, a like the the soccer Woj basically. Uh, first of all. There's just no fucking way that FIFA is going to stand around after charging Man City with financial fair play and then allow them to fork over $700 million. I don't give a shit if they do it like New York Mets style where they're paying him a million dollars for 700 years. There's just no way. There's just no way. Uh, th- there's been some contention about like whether Messi's contract has a release clause or not. Uh, it seems It seems like all the lawyers are indicating that there will be a $700 million release clause. It is my suspicion that if somebody offered them $150 million, that they would take it because Barcelona right now is having some very serious financial problems. Uh, and on, like 150 doesn't cut it, like doesn't fix it. That's how serious their financial problems are right now. So I think if the offer came in and that they would take it, uh, to me, the idea of Lionel Messi and Pep Guardiola system is scary. Like it's... Uh, they'd have to probably get rid of somebody else. I mean, they've lost a couple players, but they'd probably have to like dump Briad Mares for however much money. But yikes! I mean, that team's going to be so fast. Their counterattack is going to be unstoppable. I, I'd Just love to see it, it honestly. Uh, well, I mean, it's tough to say. Uh, I don't think that that's a given. I don't even know if they could. Not win a, a given, but it's the potential is there. Sure. The, the highest, the highest ceiling. I mean, Messi's, Messi's not. I mean, Messi's thirty-three or thirty-four. I mean, he's getting up there, and he's like LeBron. He's kind of ageless because of the style of soccer he plays. Uh, I think they would be the favorite to win a Champions League, be the best team in the world. But I, I don't know if I think that the odds. I, I think you could talk me into taking somebody else as like a bet. Let me put it that way. Okay, uh, I got two more transfers for you. I just want to hear your quick thoughts on them. Tiago Silva to Chelsea, and of course, the king is himself. That, is Tiago Silva to Chelsea confirmed? Do we know yeah, that so that's? I mean, it's been rumored for a long a time. Press conference and everything. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah, I guess I saw something where his wife and his kids were like doing a TikTok video where they changed jerseys or whatever. Yeah. So okay. So Tiago Silva to Chelsea is awesome. At Chelsea, the Premier League top four next year, if Man United makes the signing, I think they're going to make is going to be crazy. Uh, top four teams in the Premier League are going to be must-watch TV. Uh, Tiago Silva is not the same player that he was two years ago, but is probably, I mean, he's going to be the lockdown number one center back at Chelsea. That's for sure. Their center backs have some problems. So Chelsea all in this year. They're all in. And Man United, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but they officially signed Van de Beek today. Okay, that's what I was talking about. Okay. Uh, I wasn't sure if that had been official yet or not. It's tough yeah. because soccer rumors, they kind of gestate. You kind of have to like hatch the egg a little bit. It takes a little while. There's the pre-rumor, and then there's the rumor, and then there's the what does the player think rumor, and then there's the they're all getting together in a room rumor, and then there's like various like phone, uh, uh, airplane tracking rumors. So you, you forgot the pre-rumor to the pre-rumor. Oh, yeah, right. The yeah. rumor where somebody asked them, hey, what would you think about this? And they go, yeah, sure. Yeah. And then perhaps the signing you and I are the most excited about, Weston McKinney to Juve. How's, how's it, how's it going to work? Weston McKinney to Juventus is a like historic, another historic soccer signing for men's national team soccer in the United States. Uh, so when this happened, my first thought was, wait, wh- What? Because uh, there had kind of been this kind of three-way tug of war between Southampton and maybe Newcastle and Hertha Berlin, where it seemed like for whatever reason nobody was willing to spend more than twenty-two million dollars, and that South that they wanted twenty-five million basically for them. twenty-five euros, twenty-five million euros, excuse me. And then Juve came in and kind of offered them this very weird three years for a loan, eighteen million dollar add on to buy, which is contingent on them making the Champions League. Uh, it's not contingent on whether they want him or not. If they make the Champions League, they will owe him $18 million. Uh, it's actually a pretty good fit. So the reason why I think that is that uh, Juventus is kind of in a state of flux right now. They're kind of in the middle of revamping everything. They're bringing in a new coach. They finally have like their management team settled. They've got Cristiano Ronaldo and Dybala. And now the question is, what are we going to put 
around those two guys. Uh, they're kind of uh, – Weston's going to be like the fourth or fifth midfielder. He's not going to be a nailed-on starter, nor is he ready to be for that matter. He is not a Juventus like top 11. He's just not there yet. He's 21 or 22. He just turned 21 or 22 like yesterday. Uh, but – Congratulations to him. I think it's a great move. He's going to see the field. He's going to get coaching. And there are a lot of plays at Schalke where, like, if Cristiano Ronaldo or DiBala are on the back end of that, those are, like, goals that they just, quite frankly, were missing. Uh, I'm excited to not have to watch Schalke anymore because they suck and they're boring. I'm just excited. I love seeing United States men's national team players on these big stages yeah, and he's cool. going to be playing in the cha- again he's not going to be starting champions league games probably but he'll be playing he'll be getting champions league minutes on the biggest stage in the world and yeah. hopefully performing really well i mean we saw pulisic really take that leap this year with a good or uh, at least decent to good chelsea team so i caution people there are going to be some growing pains uh he needs to he's gonna he's not there yet uh weston mckinney has some very serious flaws in his game but what he's good at is i think very perfect for kind of being a fucking tank. Yeah, dude. He just uh, appear. Their coach is Andre Pirlo, who's a very famous all-time great center midfielder who actually was kind of a similar player to Weston Kenny. Uh, and it said like the philosophy of that team is we want to control the ball, and when we don't have the ball, you go and get the ball, which sounds kind of simple, but in philosophy involves like a lot of running around and chasing everybody down and sprinting for ninety minutes, which is the thing that Weston McKenney does the best. So yep. we'll see. I'm excited for it. Yes, sir. It's going to be good. Real quick, I want to throw in, just because we're kind of on the topic, a couple of other uh, men's national team transfers and rumors. Reggie Cannon, I think, has been officially, or it's about to be announced officially, uh, transferred to the Portuguese League, to Boa Vista, which is kind of a newer club to the Portuguese Premier Division, but is a good move. I think it's an upgrade probably from FC Dallas. Definitely a better league. uh, Definitely a better pay. uh, So I'm excited for that. Paxton Pomacol, my large adult son, Paxton Pomacol, is I think going to be out for the year. It sounds like uh, has had like a real serious nagging like hip core problem, whatever that means. Uh, so he's probably going to have some surgery and be done. But uh, Anthony Robinson is officially playing for Fulham next year. Projects is like either their first guy off the bench or their starting left back. Nice. Uh, definitely will become their starting left back in a year or two. So. Cool. Uh, a lot of really cool men's, and we're not done. Uh, last night in the MLS, like eight men's national team guys younger than 23 scored, including 16-year-old Caden Clark, who is playing Ooh. in his first game. Uh, 23-year-old Hassani Dotson, who's kind of been at the men's national team fringes, scored a sick 30-yard goal with his off foot. Uh, he has he projects as like a guy with some really cool, really cool sauce for a left back. So. I it's is we're 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 approaching the golden age. We're not there yet, but we're we we're see getting there. we're on the road to the golden age right now. It'll be there in twenty twenty six. That's for damn sure. Get on the bandwagon now, because there's I, I think it now is now is a good time. There's very serious yeah. movement. Moses Nyman, sixteen year old, made his Premier League era as a MLS debut. Finally, uh, Kevin Parady, seventeen year old, scoring in buckets and getting assists for DC United and. It's happening. I mean, it's really happening. Yeah. There's a lot of like world-class potential soccer players coming. Love it. Got to love it. But from football to football, mm-hmm. I got a couple Lions topics to end the show with. Yeah. Uh, this, one's, this one's more of an NFC North topic. But the Vikings got Yannick Ngakwe for a fucking second and a conditional fifth-round pick. And I would have done that every single day yeah. of the week to help this yeah. pass rush. There is no reason why Bob Quinn shouldn't have pulled the trigger. And you know they would have took our second and fifth over Minnesota's. We're the fucking Lions. Everybody thinks that's going to be the 33rd pick in the draft. Yeah, like, You have to pull the trigger on that deal. You agree, right? Wholeheartedly. You, have, uh, to, yeah, you have to at least offer the same thing. If this is your all-in year, and it is for them, you I don't know why you're not doing that. I, I, don't, I don't know why you wouldn't do that. This is the yeah. same thing as when they signed Everson Griffin for $4 million. Like, where are you? Where are the you? The biggest weakness we have. It's the, the one true standout weakness we have is our pass rush. We need somebody on the opposite end of Trey Flowers to dominate. We've signed some decent D tackles. Obviously, we have Trey Flowers. Having somebody on the other end of that line could make you super competitive for the playoffs. I mean, it could put you right in position to be the best team in the NFC North. Do you still have a shot to be? Maybe. I mean, you're the Lions. I'm not going to say yeah for sure, but maybe with 
either Yannick Ngakwe or Everson Griffin, you were right there in the thick of it. You were, you would have been like the same odds as the Packers and the Vikings and the Bears in Vegas to win this division. Um, so that was just kind of disappointing to see, especially because he got traded into the division. Do you think that there's any chance the Lions are sitting this out because they have Jadamian Clowney and they just can't announce it for whatever reason? I I don't think that. I just wanted to see if you did. I'm pretty sure Jadavian Clowney said something in the beginning of the offseason. Like, I want to go to a competitive team. I don't want to go to, like, the Lions. So, (laughs) it was something along those lines. There's a lot of of Jadavian Clowney rumors flying around right now. Yeah. We'll see see how it goes. It's wild that he's not signed. I think it'll probably be super weird. Yeah. I'm I'm disappointed that that's all it costs for Yannick Ngakwe. Cleveland, for some reason, is like the Lions. But if people were like, "Ooh, I want to go have fun in Cleveland," I don't, I don't I think get it's it. Because I think it's just the Baker Mayfield Odell Beckham thing. I think that that's it, and which is yeah. crazy to me because I think the Lions have like, it's funny because I feel like Matt Patricia has kind of consistently closed deals with these guys, right? I feel like he's done a pretty good job, like picking up Trey Flowers and all these expatriate guys and some of the players that they've closed on in free agency, but I. This just feels like a couple big misses in a row to me. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, now, this one might Mike be Daniels. a little bit nervous, uh, make you a little bit nervous, but reports out of camp are that Jeff Okuda is not ready to start yet. Um, to me, this isn't a huge deal. We have a shortened training camp. We had months and months of quarantine where he obviously didn't have, like, his NFL checks yet. He didn't have a big house with a giant backyard where he could go work on stuff during this quarantine. He was probably spending a lot of time inside. Um, but are you, is it a big deal to you? Are you concerned that he's not going to be starting on day one, or at least it sounds like he what won't be that starting? What does starting? He won't be a top two corner or even top three, I think, because I, mean, I think you two outside guys, you get your nickel. This year's going to be so screwy for rookies, I genuinely have no idea. I also like I, I also don't I just don't know if I almost believe that, right? Uh, to me, like <laughs> the guy that we watched tape on was like pretty ready to walk into an NFL team, and that the idea that there's somehow been this like year years worth of regression, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm not nervous. I guess I'm not nervous is how I feel. I don't think it's a year's worth of regression either. I think it's just a shortened training camp and no mini camps, and it's just going to take a little bit longer. The corner is one of the hardest positions in the NFL to just like hop right into. I feel this like, is why you signed Desmond Trufant. This is why you yeah. have Coleman. This is why you're excited about yeah. Amani Awarie. So because you have the depth there, right? Your secondary isn't terrible. Um, so let him take his time. I mean, he's get he's been getting burned in practices. There's videos of it. Like he's been getting burned pretty bad he's losing his balance but Patricia came out and talked about his mindset and that it's as good as anybody and he's working his ass off and he's getting better every single day and Patricia's not the type of guy who's just saying that to say it even about his first round pick (laughs) I think we know that Matt Patricia is very willing to tell somebody that they're not good (laughs) yes especially a corner I think there's maybe a little history there for that uh I'm not I'm not uber worried about it. I mean, Justin Coleman and, and, and Desmond Trufant are good corners. So Yeah, and Coleman gets to go back to the slot, and that's, yeah. that's what the second half of the season last year, he had to be the number one corner on the team, and it, like, it just it wasn't working, or the number two corner on the team. I'm not right, worried yet. Yes, agreed. And then the last thing I got, why the hell don't we know exactly what DeAndre Swift injury is yet? Why won't they tell us? It sounds like one day it sounds like he's coming back, and then the next day it sounds like he's going to be out for six weeks, and then the next day it sounds like he's coming back the next day. I think that we're going to have to live with a little bit of this Patriot-style gamesmanship. Uh, that's that's my that's my word for what this is in one big hyphen. Uh Patriot-style gamesmanship, uh, because that's what this is. Who knows what his injury is? He's probably fine. He'll probably not miss a whole bunch of time. But if they don't have to tell you, Bill Belichick doesn't tell you. You know, yeah. they've—that's been like a thing for a long time that they—they they wait until the last possible second. So uh, maybe they just don't know. You know, that's true. And by the way, when he has practiced, people have said he looks like an absolute star. Like a I'm excited. Star. I'm yeah. so excited. If we have our guy, like, on looked like he was going to be our guy, but it looks like the health won't be there. If we have our <laughs> guy, 
our first round fantasy football running back, right? That guy. I it could change the whole organization. It could change I everything for the organization. I'm hesitant because we've had a few running backs who are like, oh, it's this guy. Uh job at best, for example, is who the would one have been I it if he didn't get of. his head knocked off every five seconds. He was it. I mean, yeah. you remember the eighty yard run on Monday night football against the Bears. Yeah. It was the dude was good. Yeah. So, but you know, uh, I would very much like to pump the brakes on DeAndre Swift this entire year. I don't think that you're going to really see what DeAndre Swift is until next year. Dude, I'm on the train. I'm pulling the horn. Fucking, I am. I am ready for some DeAndre Swift dominance rookie year. I just feeling crazy. I feel like it's almost a little disrespectful to Karrion Johnson, who's been really fucking good. Like, yeah, and he's, he's played healthy. like 14 games when he's been healthy. He hasn't. Well, he's yeah. played more than that. But I would like I would like to see some split usage. I would like for DeAndre Swift to get through this year without getting hurt more than he may or may not be. Uh, and I, I just want to you know I just want to wait a year on DeAndre Swift. He's played 18 games. Play very games. seriously. Yeah, he started 14. Okay, so <laughs> well you know we'll. Start, start. But he's good. He's good. We like on Johnson. We're not hating on on Johnson. I just no. think DeAndre Swift could be special. Yeah. Uh, do you got anything else? No. Let's <laughs> let's get the fuck out of here. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, thank you, everybody at home, for listening. For Double P, producer Parker, and myself, your host, Andrew Norris. Uh, go subscribe to us on Spotify. Like us on YouTube. Go share our shit on Facebook. Uh you know, get those views up for us. You know, we, we come out here every week. I know you guys like us. We love you, but I know you love us back. So, you know, just show it a little bit. Uh, you want to yell at us, get in our Twitter DMs. We'll argue with you. Don't worry about that. That's kind of what yeah. we're good at. Uh, we're doing it with each other on a daily basis on Twitter anyways. So we're there. We're there for it. Uh, but thank you all again so much for listening. Go subscribe on Spotify. And here's our awesome sports clip of the week. Yeah. Yeah.